they don't believe in rights. They really believe in essentially pitting people against each other, which is why they talk about reproductive justice. Really, what they really mean by that is from a feminist point of view of, well, we want to protect women, which is a lie, but protect women by killing other people. Is critical race theory just a dog whistle for white supremacists? And why is it that Black Lives Matter activists ignore the black genocide of abortion? You'll get answers today on The Mark Harrington Show. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our work by going to the Mark Harrington Show. Dot com. Today on the program, we're going to be talking about critical race theory, social justice, because the Bible speaks about it. In Amos chapter 5, verse 15, it says, hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the city gates. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And my guest is Samuel Say. And Samuel is a blogger, uh, and he writes on the website slowtowrite.com. Samuel, thanks for being on the program. So I, I know Samuel because he's uh, at least formerly was with an organization that I love. That is the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform, my second most favorite group in North America. <laughs> of course, Created Equals, my favorite, as you could imagine. But the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform is kind of an offshoot of the Center for Bioethical Reform, which I was part of for 10 years and Greg Cunningham's organization out of California. But Samuel has moved on and now is writing and speaking on social justice and, of course, abortion. And that's why I wanted to bring him on the program, uh, because I think he has a lot to say. So, Samuel, if you would, let's start out with your story. Uh, you were born in Ghana, West Africa, came to the United States. Give us Give us your story and how you ended up here and all that. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, as you said, I was born in uh, Ghana, West Africa. I right. was born to um, a single mother. Uh, that's only because um, before I was born, uh, my my father um, made it pretty clear um, in very um, implicit terms that he did not want my mother to go through with the pregnancy. Uh, because mm -hmm. Ghana was going through, well, my parents were very poor and Ghana was going through a very bad economic turn. And he did not think that it would be uh, helpful to him and to the family in his mind um, if I was born. But my mother um, um, was undeterred um, and she, she's a Christian. Uh, she's very strongly pro-life and uh, she didn't think that uh, poverty was worth um, killing me. So she gave birth to you in Ghana and then you came to the United States right after that. Is that how it worked? Yes. Um, so we, yeah, so I, um, I'm sorry, Canada. Birth, I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. She gave birth to me, um, in Ghana and then, uh, for 10 years I was with her in Ghana and then we moved to Canada, um, when I was 10 years old. Gotcha. So, I mean, you were, uh, I guess by your father anyway, you were unwanted. So is that, uh, give you additional, uh, motivation if I, if you will, to fight the abortion battle? Even though you don't know whether he wanted the abortion or not, but he said he did not want your mother to give birth to you. Um, does that give yeah. you some kind of personal motivation to fight for the unborn? 
Yeah, absolutely. Just knowing how I could have been aborted myself definitely is a personal motivating factor. Um, but on top of that, uh, I think the one thing that actually made me more motivated to be a pro-life advocate was that when I was 19 years old, uh, one of my friends uh, just gave me, uh, just called me and just asked, Sam, what, what would I say to a girl considering an abortion? And her and I were good friends and we would ask each other very random, you know, hypothetical questions. So I thought, um, it wasn't really uh, a pressing issue in her life. So mm. I simply said what I knew at the time, which was, I don't know. Uh, well, well, I didn't know then that her boyfriend was actually pressuring her to get an abortion because she had just become pregnant. And um, so about a year later, uh, I learned that days after that question, she actually got an abortion. And yeah. that had, as you can imagine, a major, major impact on me. Just knowing that if I knew what to say, if I knew how to answer that question, there could have been um, another boy, um, you know, in in uh, in this world today. So that was one of the major issues that led me to becoming a pro-life advocate as well. My guest is Samuel Say, and he writes for the website slowtowrite.com. And we're talking about critical race theory, social justice, and abortion today. Uh, Samuel, let's talk about that. You've written on your blog uh, extensively about critical race theory. Tell the listeners, if you could, in a soundbite, what that is, because I think a lot of people are still very confused. Some people think it doesn't even exist. You know, yeah. there's a big debate in the United States right now. Of course, the left says it's just a fake culture war issue. They've made it up, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's happening. We all know it. It's being taught in schools here in the U.S. and I'm sure in Canada. Uh, if you would tell the listeners and viewers what critical race theory is. Yeah. Critical race theory is intentionally complex, um, and uh, you know they complexify it um, right. to make it difficult for the average person to fully grasp it. Um, but it really is a so. Th there's a book called "From From Race to Class." Sorry, from class to race, and I always mention that because uh, in this book, a critical race theorist is saying, "Well, Marx was right about a lot of things." But he was wrong in that he simply focused on the class aspect, the economic uh, aspect, instead mm -hmm. of addressing that the real issue was about race. So basically, critical race theory suggests that uh, impartiality is impossible, um, suggests that Western society is really just an oppressive um, um, you know, society inherently mm -hmm. uh, because right. of its... Um, commitment to impartiality because they believe as Marx did that um, that you know hegemony is really a, the, the, the dominant force in society. So when Western society talks about justice as blind and things like that, well they believe it's really just um, a code word for racism. So to make it very simple, in the same way that uh, Marx believed in the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, they really believe in the privileged and the oppressed. The privilege is, of course, uh, rich people, but especially white people. Um, and then, the, um, you know, and then in a sense, replacing or joining with um, the, the proletariat, um, the poor people, it would be black people, it would be immigrants, illegal immigrants, it'd be women. But particularly critical race theory is is basically a race-centric version of Marxism and postmodernism because they do not believe in objectivity. They believe that truth is shaped by your lived experiences, or particularly truth is shaped or truth or justice is shaped by the experiences of the so-called 
um, um, oppressed people. So as a black person, I'm the one who shapes what racism really is. You as a white yeah. person, sir, um, no matter what you tell me, you know, you can ask me any question. If I tell you, well, that question was racist, you don't really have a real reason to say, well, no, that was not a racist question at all. My right. feelings, my subjective thinking is what shapes the truth or justice or racism. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. I We went to New York City recently and we're displaying our abortion victim photography in, in near Central Park at Columbus Circle. And we have signs that say unborn Black Lives Matter. And we had a Black Lives Matter activist come up and was asking me why we had that sign there. And he basically said, well, because I was a white person, I'm racist. And I said, well, I don't have a racist bone in my body. Uh, there's nothing racist about me because, well, that doesn't matter. It's about the system. And the fact of the matter is you're white and you're racist, even if you don't know it. <laughs> it was like yeah. Yeah. and that's how they view things. Of yeah. course, I transitioned to Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood and how Black Lives Matter doesn't even defend unborn black lives. And of course, that's where he got all angry about. And I do want to talk <laughs> about that. Uh, in detail here, because I think, you know, the issue of Black Lives Matter and the organization itself uh, is uh, ignoring the black genocide of abortion. But I do want to mention this. You in your blog, you write about how Hitler used social justice, that term, to uh, attempt to liberate Aryan Germans from the disproportionately wealthy and in his mind, oppressive Jews. And then you want to say that Churchill used it as well to liberate the world from Hitler. Finishing off, you say today social justice means eliminating disparities between groups and society, equality of outcome of groups instead of equality of opportunity for individuals, a society that embraces neo-Marxism and distributes wealth and privileges be between groups will inevitably violate an individual's right to life and liberty. So what I want to do here. I want to transition to this whole debate over social justice. Of course, it's raging in the United States. I'm sure it's happening in Canada as well. And uh, why is social justice, which it would sound like that would include the fight over abortion, why is it a threat to human rights? Mm -hmm. um, I always, and it surprised some pro-life advocates uh, that I always want to separate social justice from human rights or social justice from the abortion issue. Uh, I, I say that uh, we are, uh, pro-life advocates are um, advocates for human rights, but the people mm -hmm. on the other side, the Planned Parenthood, pro-abortion people, they are the social justice advocates on the other side. Because as I said in there, now, you know, the term, people can use the term differently. The people who are pro-life advocates who will use the term social justice to describe pro-life advocacy. And I understand why they say that. But the word now means entirely different than, yes. um, you know, than what some might think it is. Overwhelmingly, if you go on Google, if you research it anywhere, it's really dealing with critical race theory, feminism, right. pro-abortion um, uh, movement, uh, LGBTQ movement. It is completely mm -hmm. contradictory to human rights arguments. Uh, it's really an overarching term to describe all these movements that I just explained, which deals with not equality, but equity. Right? right. So we believe in equality. We believe that all people are created in the image of God and are deserving of life, liberty. And as your great document says, uh, life, liberty and the, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. We believe that they don't. They believe, as Ibram Kendi, who is a critical race theorist and 
probably the leading critical race theorist uh, in, in the world today, uh, alongside Robin D'Angelo. This is what he said, that racial discrimination is only wrong if it leads to racial inequity. But mm -hmm. racial discrimination is good if it leads to racial equity. What he means right. by that is, in very simple terms, racism is only bad if it leads to racial disparity as slavery and segregation did. But racism against white people particularly is good if it leads to racial parity in that if it helps black people or so-called non-white uh, non people or minorities, then it's good. That's what critical race theory is about. It's about, it's about bringing white people down to elevate um, non-white people, which is of course evil, that's partiality. Yes. Well, that, that reminds of course, my uh, conversation with the Black Lives Matter activists in New York City was based entirely on that. So we understand that. Now, how is social justice a threat to the gospel as well? Because you hear this a lot in the uh, evangelical church here in America, and I'm sure in Canada, social justice is a big deal here. Yeah. Uh, but people say, well, how can that be a threat to the gospel itself? Yeah, it's a threat to the gospel because it says that evil is good and good is evil in a sense that, mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier, it's focused on equity, not equality. Uh, well, that's contradictory to the Bible because the Bible says that we should not show partiality to the poor or to the rich, to the great or to the small. But as I as I explained earlier with the uh, the quote from Ibram Kendi, they're saying that no, 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 partiality is good so long as it's against the right people. So long as it's against the powerful people in their mind, so long as it's against the privileged people in their mind, so long as it's against the rich, white, straight male, essentially, or really, as, uh, to be very clear, Christians, right? There's a book called uh, White Christian Privilege. You know, I, I always say that a lot of the evangelicals or, or the Christians who embrace critical race theory or, or uh, social justice, they're embracing ideas that are primarily targeting Christians. Uh, they're coming mm -hmm. after Christians. This is really against mm -hmm. Christianity. Uh, they've made it pretty clear that they believe the Bible is a racist book based on what it's yes. teaching on justice, right? We know the Western society primarily was very much influenced by biblical theology. So by attacking Western society, they're really trying to attack truth and justice as we know it from the scriptures. Well, and they don't also, they don't believe in forgiveness. They don't believe in redemption. They yep. believe in retribution. <laughs> you yep. know, they believe in punishment. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the gospel's all about forgiveness. That's the missing link uh, that exactly. they just don't go there. And exactly. what we're all looking for is forgiveness and redemption and, you know, yep. and peace. But that doesn't come with the, the Black Lives Matter movement, social justice movement, or critical race theory. Exactly. Uh, Samuel, if you would, let, let's talk about Black Lives Matter. You know, it uh, obviously there was a huge deal with the George Floyd uh, killing in Minneapolis a couple of years ago now. And th that began a big t discussion across America, North America and the world, for that matter, mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter. And I mentioned at the in intro to the program about how the Black Lives Matter movement, that is the agenda itself, uh, ignores the black genocide of abortion, which you would think that would be front and center. That would be at the top of the list to try to defend the most innocent among them. And they are African-Americans are disproportionately targeted for abortion. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned in your, one of your blogs here that uh, Planned Parenthood 
uh, describes themselves as a reproductive rights and social justice organization rather than a human rights group. Uh, why yeah. do they do that? Yeah, they do that because like Black Lives Matter, um, they're focused on equity, not equality. Um, right. they, they, they don't believe in human rights. They believe in, again, social justice, which is to protect a, a, a so-called social group over the rights of another. They don't believe in rights. They really believe in essentially pitting people against each other, which is why they talk about reproductive justice. Really, what they really mean by that is from a feminist point of view of, well, we want to protect women, which is a lie, but protect women by killing other people, which is the same idea from Ibram Kendi, right? You know, protecting black people by harming white people. Um, right. But, you know, the thing about Black Lives Matter is they are primarily uh, well over being so called they say black lives matter but what they really mean by that is using black lives as a way to push feminist and lgbtq ideology short i think, I think three weeks uh after the george floyd uh protest or at least in the middle of that they had um a worldwide um protest as well called black trans lives matter led by the black lives matter movement they are just as a radical uh, feminist or radical LGBTQ ideas as they are radical critical race theorists. It's all interwined. Black Lives Matter really is the offspring of um, a group of, of, they call themselves womanists, but really is black feminists who were complaining that the feminist movement wasn't inclusive enough to, to uh, black people because they were primarily focusing on, in their mind, white uh, ideas from, from Basically, they, they were trying to help white women in their mind instead of helping all women. So Black Lives Matter really is, again, feminism, LGBTQ ideas, um, critical race theory intertwined. And as as uh, as I know, you know, um, they've mentioned very clear they hate the nuclear family. They want to destroy the nuclear family. Uh, they've been doing so, of course, um, for, um, for for a long time. So. Uh, a lot of people are very unaware about what Black Lives really is for. They have a great slogan, very catchy yeah. slogan, uh, yeah. which makes people uncomfortable to reject them. But they use That's that right. slogan as a deceptive and cunning hook to get you to buy into their antichrist ideology. Well, you know, I, I had a long discussion with a group of people at the University of Maryland recently, and they asked me what my position on Black Lives Matter was. And I asked them, well, it depends. If you mean just the notion, the concept of black lives mattering, of course, I'm in support of that. But if you're asking me whether I support the agenda, the organization or the movement, uh, you have to look at the their their their, you know, their their talking points, their their agenda itself, which includes killing unborn children or what they would call reproductive yeah. justice. And I say, well, that's where I got to get off the bandwagon for sure. And there are other problematic issues. But of course, they want to change the subject. And say, well, you know, abortion's really not all that important. What we should be <laughs> focusing on is racism. And you have a yeah. blog that was entitled, Is Racism Worse Than Murder? And we got about 45 seconds left. I, I know that's not a lot of time, but <laughs> if you would talk about that, because I think as far as college students go, they believe that the, what's going on in the country as far as race is far more important than what might be happening yeah. with abortion in America and probably in, in Canada as well. Yeah, I mean, there was a very um, well-known, uh, prominent evangelical who said that racism is a bigger issue than in, than in America than abortion, which is in, insane. But they believe mm -hmm. that because they disregard, um, um, you know, 
babies. Right? We know that you know unborn babies, uh, which is why I'm such a big fan of AVP or, or abortion victim photography is that we see what abortion does to babies. Uh, racism, we see what George Floyd, we see what happened with George Floyd, which is why people think racism is a bigger issue than it really is because they've seen those videos, but they don't get right. to see what happens to preborn babies uh, after an abortion. Uh, which is why they say um, they believe that racism is a bigger issue than murder. Right. They have to see it to believe it. I mean, that's why we show it, the victims. Uh, that's why we use video and, and still photography out in the public square, because we mm -hmm. believe people need to see it to understand it. And we use the human rights argument because our organization is called Created Equal. So we're talking yeah. about <laughs> equality here between the yeah. born and the pre-born. That is the argument. And you would think that folks that care about that at least they say they do, uh, yeah. would also care about the equality between the born and the pre-born. You guys yeah. use that argument in Canada. If you would, just take a second and kind of share what that argument is like, how you would lay that out to, say, a, a young person who was on a college campus who walked up to you and you just asked yeah. them, what, what do you think about abortion? Well, how would you unfold that, that argument with them? Yeah, I, I said earlier uh, when my friend asked me, Sam, what would I say to a girl considering an abortion? I said, I don't know. I didn't know what to say. Well, now I know yeah. what to say, and it's by using the human rights argument. Uh, it's the, the greatest um, tool um, to help people become uh, pro-life or to save their babies from being uh, killed. So basically, it's asking people, do you believe in human rights? They say, yes, mm -hmm. of course they do. Then you ask them, who deserves human rights? They say, well, of course, uh, all humans. Then you ask them, if two people reproduce, what will their offspring be? If two humans reproduce, what will their offspring be? They say, well, uh, of course, uh, human. And then, you, then I, I ask, well, can something grow without being alive? They'll think for a second and they'll say, well, no, if you're growing, it means that you're alive. That's just basic science. And then from those questions, I ask them the main question that I ask, which is, isn't abortion then a human rights violation? And just right. by asking those questions, you're forcing them to confront their own worldview. And if they're being consistent, and oftentimes they will be, they'll say, yes, by that by those questions, by those standards that they themselves have affirmed, abortion is a human rights violation. My guest has been Samuel Say, and he writes for the website slowtowrite.com, and he is formerly with the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Samuel, thanks for being on the program. Thank you so much, sir. It's an honor. So, friends, I want you to take action today. You can get your marching orders in the culture war by uh, following us on our social media platforms as well as our podcasting platforms by going to the Mark Harrington Show website, which is at markharringtonshow.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there. We have a player that's embedded right into the website that you can listen to the programs there. We also have all our videos as well and our clips up on that website at markharringtonshow.com. You can also keep in touch with some of the things we're doing in regards to the upcoming U.S. Supreme Court uh, oral arguments in Washington, D.C. We are organizing, along with uh, some partners in the pro-life movement, the National Day of Action. And you can find out more about the National Day of Action by going to our show notes, which you can also find on MarkHarringtonShow.com or any of my podcasting platforms. In there, we'll have the notes. We'll, you could find where you could participate. We are going to be holding 
simultaneous rallies on December 1st as the U.S. Supreme Court is hearing the oral arguments in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization case on December 1st. So if you go to our show notes at markharringtonshow.com, you can connect to uh, the website that will tell you about the rallies, which will be happening all across America in small and large cities all across the country at federal courthouses on December 1st, as well as the U.S. Supreme Court on December 1st as well. You can make your way to Washington, D.C. and join us on the streets in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. The day before, on November 30th, we're going to be holding a prayer rally at the Planned Parenthood on Capitol Hill, as well as we're going to be having a Show the Truth event, which is where we display abortion victim photography and video uh, on our Jumbotron, and that'll be held at uh, Constitution and Pennsylvania Avenue. So that's on November 30th. But on December 1st, you can be part of this National Day of Action you can find the information by going to markharringtonshow.com. So we've got a lot going on coming up uh, as we uh, get close to the, the oral arguments on Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. Again, you can find out more by going to markharringtonshow.com, sign up for the podcast, send us a, a, a note, send us a, a message, let us know that you're listening, ask me a question, I'll answer it on the radio program here. If you would just click on the mailbag or the uh, contact icon and let us know you're listening and ask a question or leave a comment. You've been listening to your radio activist on the Mark Harrington show where you get your marching orders in the culture war. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.